Are you with someone right now where maybe they're the love of your life? Or maybe the relationship is completely doomed to fail? Well, guys, ask your partners these nine questions and I promise you'll know if your relationship will last or not. Now, let's get into it. Would you trust me in a room full of people who are flirting and trying to hit on me? All right, guys, this question is so important because trust, trust is everything. Without trust, I don't honestly see how the hell you're going to have a long lasting relationship. And this question is very specifically pinpointing whether they trust you. Because here's the thing, I can't bloody help if someone hits on me or not. I can't help or have anything to do with other people trying to flirt with me. And the same with my husband. I can't help if other, I can't have any influence on if a woman is flirting with my husband or not. So me worrying about that is actually energy wasted because I can't control it. But what I can control is, am I with someone that I can trust that if this came up, if someone flirted with my husband, if somebody did everything they possibly could to entice him, that no matter what, even if they strip down to their bears, guys, that my husband is the type of person that I can trust to turn around to them and say, sorry, I'm married. That's it. Because I can't, we get so hooked on the jealousy part of what the other person is trying to do to our partner. The person is texting my boyfriend, the person is reaching out to my husband, whatever that is. We focus on the other person, but here's the thing, you can't freaking control them. So in a situation where my husband could get away with it, where someone is flirting with him so much, where someone goes up to him and says, Hey, I know that you're married. Don't worry, I'll never tell Lisa. Do I trust him in that moment to say, sorry, I'm married? That's the question you have to ask. So does my husband trust me? Do I trust him, period? That's what you need to get to. Now, as an example of how bad jealousy can be, my girl, Sarah Jakes Roberts, shares a story that is so freaking intense of what jealousy can lead to and how badly it can fracture your relationship. Let's take a listen. So, all right, I'm gonna try and abbreviate it, but I was married before and I had this moment where I was walking out of Child Protective Services, which is a government agency created to make sure that children are protected at home. The reason why I was at CPS is because my in my previous relationship, he brought someone to our home and um, I was cooking dinner and this girl was waiting in the car for him to finish with dinner so that they could like go on a date. Of course, he didn't tell me she was outside. I discovered it. I was like, your car is still running. So I creep outside. I see she's in the car. I'm like, what are you doing with my husband? And she was like, we're kicking it. And I was like, kicking it? My mind just left the building. I am enraged. I get in this car. I'm ramming the vehicle over and over and over again until the police come. The police is like, what's happening here? I'm like, my husband brought his girlfriend to my house and I didn't know how to handle that. And he was like, I can see how that could happen. He's like, I'm not going to arrest you, but you are going to have to go to CPS because this is probably not the best environment for your children. So I'm walking out of the CPS office. And now this fear that I've had since I became a mother 
is that I wasn't good enough, that I wasn't a good mom, that I was a bad mom, that I had no business having children. All of this has become a reality. My motherhood is in question because of an action that I made. And I realized in that moment when I was walking out of CPS that the relationship was a symptom. It was not the disease. It was a symptom of an insecurity that started long before I met the person. That even the toxic nature of the relationship wasn't just one-sided. That I brought my own poison and my own willingness to hurt or betray someone in order to get this prize into the relationship. And I had to ask myself, how did you lower your standards? How did you come to this place where you were willing to, because he was in a relationship when I met him, where you were willing to hurt another woman in order for you to have a relationship with someone else? Like what, what's happening with you? We don't like to say this, but it's like, what, what's wrong? What's wrong? How did we get here? And when I began to see it as a symptom and not the disease, I realized that I had been ingesting all of these thoughts that changed my identity so much so that the only thing I wanted was someone who was a reflection of what I already believed about myself. And I um, decided that I didn't want to believe that, that about myself anymore. I can remember saying, I can do better than this. I can do better than this. And every day I just woke up and I thought I can do better than this. And so I started doing better. And I feel like even now I am in this space where I'm like, I can do better than this. And that road to better allowed me to encounter my husband. It allowed me to start blogging and writing and connecting with other women. But it all started with, I can do better than this. What's the one thing you value so much that you would put it before me? Guys, I know this is really hard. And I know as I probably read it out, some of you are just like, what do you mean? Like, isn't a partnership that's supposed to put you first? Well, kinda. <laughs> so here's the thing with me and Tom, we actually asked this question. And his answer, when I said, what is something that's so important to you that you would put before me? His answer was his ambition. Now let's actually break that down. Before you get emotionally triggered, before you start to react to the fact that now you feel less special, take a damn pause, people. Take a damn pause. Take a deep breath and don't make it about you. Step number one, don't make it about you. Listen. So when I started to listen to my husband, that he was saying, actually, my ambition is something I'm going to put before you. Before I took it personally, before I thought that that was a dent on me, we just talked about it. And what ended up concluding was his ambition, and I'm just going to say mine now too, but his ambition was so important as part of who he is, who he fundamentally is as a man, as a human, is part of him. And so now, if I asked for him to give up his ambition, if I asked for him to put his ambition second, do you think he can actually show up in our relationship with all the joy and happiness and strength and commitment and focus that I would want him to? No. If I asked him to put me before his ambition, you know what's going to happen, guys? He would start to resent me. Not because it's ah, something he really likes to do. Because he's vocalized, it's actually part of who he is. Now I want to flip that back and say, Think about it from your perspective. Pause for a second and ask yourself, what is that thing that is so fundamentally you that even if you love someone to your core, it would be a detrimental act for them to ask you 
to stop doing it. It would be a detrimental act for them to ask, for you to put them before this thing that makes you you. And so just like I speak up about freaking my own rights to own who I am as a woman, to always ask my husband to never ask me to dull myself down for the sake of our relationship, I absolutely need to give him space to have that same response. Because you better believe if he said to me, babe, dull your enthusiasm down, dull your spirit down and put me first. Because you know what? You put so much time and energy into showing up and being a badass. But actually you put that before me. Do you think him asking that of me is going to set me up as an individual with success, with strength, with confidence? And then do you think it's actually inviting a very strong, confident partner into the relationship? No. So I'm going to come back to, don't take the fact that maybe they put something, they value something ahead of you. In fact, I now encourage it. Since me and my husband had this very discussion, I encourage his ambition because I know who he's going to be when he shows up with that space to be ambitious, to have that value respected. Like I literally respect that he is ambitious. And so you can imagine his response is with open arms. He greets me and what is important to me about being a female badass with utter grace. And he greets me with open arms too. So even though these questions are very specifically to say to your partner to see how they respond, it is imperative you also are able to answer them. So people, for the love of God, make sure you give your partner space to speak about what else they value apart from you. And then you'll find that it just makes for a beautiful relationship. What's the one thing that I could do to make you reconsider our entire relationship? Now guys, it actually doesn't matter if you're on the first date, if you're seriously into the relationship, or if you're married and you've been with them for 20 years like me and my husband. There are things, don't fool yourself, there are things that are non-negotiables. Now, the question is, are you open and talking about those non-negotiables? I think it is imperative that you tell your partner what those are so that you know the idea is to set your relationship up for success, not to trap him or to trick him and be like, ah, I knew you were gonna cheat, the relationship's over. No, no, just let them know at the beginning. Hey, just to let you know, if you cheat, I'm out the door. Just setting yourself and your relationship up for success. I'm gonna keep repeating it, guys. The idea, the whole point about these questions is to set the relationship up for success. So, I want to know, what is that thing? What is that thing that I could do that could actually make this relationship end? So that at least I know. Now the power is in my hands. If I do this thing, I'm very aware of the consequences. It's kind of like the law. If you steal, then the consequences are you're gonna to go to prison. So knowing that actually may help you decide whether you should steal or not. I kind of do you out there, but you get the gist. So with me and my husband, it was imperative we asked this question from the freaking get-go. So I'm just gonna tell you my two non-negotiables that I was so profoundly clear with my partner, with my husband, about if he did either of these. I think I may have even said it on like the fifth day as I started to realize, are we getting serious? I was like, wait, 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 before you go anywhere else, before we do anything else, I'm just gonna tell you, oh, by the way, 
if you cheat on me, if you cheat on me, I'm going to be so clear. I'm out the freaking door. And just to be abundantly even more transparent, because I want to set you up for success. I'm not saying this is a threat. I'm saying this as a way to set us up for success. So I'm just going to be very clear. If you did cheat, even remotely, which means even kissing another woman on the lips, if you did this, I won't even sit and hear you explain. I just want to be clear. If you cheated on me in any which way, you don't get a chance to explain to me. You don't get a chance to give me a reason. And so I just need you to know that. Because if I found out, I would literally pack my bags, I would disconnect every contact from you, and I would be out the door. And so again, I set him up for success. Now he just absolutely knows these are the parameters. If you cross them, I'm out the door. The second one, just being abundantly clear. If you ever lay a hand on me. Now look, the truth is, I would be very upset if you called me a bitch. I would be very upset if you said some really cruel, mean things to me. But I actually don't know if that's a non-negotiable or not. To be honest, I think that sometimes we say things that we regret and so kind of giving someone a bit of a buffer like that. Like, I do think that there's some certain things that I could get over. But physical abuse, I'm just going to lay it out. Physical abuse is not accepted. So when we're talking about the thing that you could do that can make me reconsider our entire relationship, even now, guys, I just said I'm celebrating my 20-year wedding anniversary. If tomorrow, all of a sudden, for whatever reason, I got into a row with my husband and he physically abused me, I would pick up my stuff, I would disconnect from everything to do with him, and I would walk out of that door. Now look, I am not putting judgment on anyone else. You need to assess what that thing is for you so you can answer this question. And your partner needs to assess what that thing is for them so they can answer it. I'm not saying to do what I do, but it will be beautiful and imperative to ask this question and answer it so that you can set yourself up and your teammate for success. When I say teammate, I mean your partner. So you can set them up for success. Because even after 20 years, if Tom abused me, if he did a backhander, sorry, adios, I got my stuff, I'm out the door without discussion. I don't care how mad you are. I don't care if someone just stabbed your own parent. You do not ever have an excuse or a reason to lay a finger on me, period. And there you go. 20 years later, neither of those things have happened. And so it is important to know those parameters and be honest. And that's why, guys, you have to freaking ask this question. And one of my favorite relationship experts, the Matthew Hussey, my homie, talks about this very thing. Let's take a listen. Everyone fights for a relationship based on potential. <laughs> it's based on what they think it could be. Even that person that, you know, but I, but I love them. Mm. What they're fighting for is their vision of what the relationship could be. Right. Or you know, should be. Or should be. They think. But in their mind, it's still, yeah, like it, but we love each other so much, this, sh this should be the most amazing thing ever. Well, let's look at what it is. Mm -hmm. In the early stages of dating, it's actually very important that I, we miss crucial opportunities to see what the relationship is if we lunge in mm -hmm. with attacks and accusations instead of letting someone know what we're feeling and asking them 
kind but honest questions, we don't really see what's going on because they feel attacked, their, their defenses go up. What we really need to do is say, I'm going to learn more about this person's intentions, either because I don't feel they're trying hard enough or as much as me, or because they just did something that I don't feel was very nice. I'm going to learn more about what's behind it. And that is going to provide me with information. Acknowledge that there's a gap. There's a gap between where I want things to be and where they are. Highlight the gap in a, in a classy and tactful way. Look at whether this person acknowledges the gap, because it's usually the sign of a toxic relationship if the gap can't even be acknowledged. Mm -hmm. What are you talking about? I'm trying just as much as you. And if you're like, you're really not. Like I'm clearly hey, come on. making many more sacrifices than you are, doing much, think of you way more than you think of me, do more than you do for me. Like if you know there really is a gap and it is not being acknowledged at all, that there is no sense of someone being able to look at themselves honestly and go, okay, you're right. If they try and make you crazy, that's a form of, of toxic behavior. But can they acknowledge the gap? That's the first step. Now that's a positive sign if they can. Mm. You can work with that. Right? Ah, this is actually a sign of a healthy relationship. I've brought something up. They didn't make me feel stupid for bringing it up and being vulnerable and revealing a wound. But that alone isn't enough because someone could say, I get it. You're right. I'm going to do better. And then a month from now, nothing's changed. Yeah. And that's where you have to say, it's one thing that someone is acknowledging the gap, but acknowledging and being able to deliver are two very different things. And the fourth step is noticing whether the gap's being reduced. What's the one thing you think I don't have your back on? Oh, guys, this is gonna be really hard because it doesn't matter what they say. It's gonna sting. Like, there is nowhere to go with this question. The answer will sting. So you have to, by golly guys, you have to want, you really, really have to want to know the answer to this. You really have to want to, because no matter what they say, it's gonna feel like a stab in the freaking heart. So you have to wanna know. So here's the thing for me, I want, if you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal, like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. Because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 
86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is the negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. Probably more than anything in this world, I have to like, I'm going to caveat it by say probably. I want my partner to win, period. I want him to win. I want him to win in life. I want him to be happy. I want him to feel good about himself. So you better believe if there's an area where he doesn't feel supported, I want to know. Now look, that isn't that doesn't mean that I'm doing it deliberately. And you want your partner to know that whatever they're going to say, you're going to have you're going to embrace it. That you that you want to know so badly as a reveal of how can I be a better partner to you? Which is why I'm going to go back to you just have to decide originally, guys, do you want your partner to win? If you can answer yes, then I think that you're going to be very brave and you can handle asking this question. But if the answer is, I want him to win, but not in spite of me winning, then I'm just going to be freaking honest, guys. I don't know how you answer this question without getting into an argument and without getting defensive. And let's face it, being defensive won't serve you. It won't get you to have the beautiful communication that I'm trying to echo in this whole episode. So if you've answered, yes, I want my partner to win, now you're willing to listen. Now, my instinct, guys, is to defend myself. I want to feel like I'm the best freaking wife on the planet. So I already know in asking this question, I got to zip it. Like, I actually have to tell myself, whatever he says, Lisa, you're going to want to defend yourself. It's an emotional reaction. So you need a plan that you can give them space to actually answer it. So for me, I just know thyself thyself. So for me, know thyself means I actually realize whatever he's going to say, I'm going to get defensive. Why? Because I want to feel like an amazing wife. All right, well now I've got my, I know how I'm going to act. I know my why. And so now I'm just going to come up with a strategy to mitigate that. And my strategy is to stay quiet. Literally, my strategy is don't speak, Lisa, so that you can give them space to say it. Then the second thing I do is I remind myself why I'm asking the question in the first place. Because you want to do better. Great. So now in that moment where my husband's telling me things, 
I have to stay quiet and I remind myself, you want to do better. So you need to take this on as fact. Because here's the thing, you're going to try and convince them. You're going to try and convince them that the feelings aren't valid. You may not want to or mean to, but what you may say is, yes, but look, you're actually really sensitive. Well, what do you mean I don't have your back? Remember that one time? And so that's maybe how you're going to respond. And I'm just going to say, getting defensive doesn't leave any room to go. So if you can remind yourself why you're asking this question, that's going to be freaking powerful so that when they reply, you can take the time to process. So that's going to be the third thing, guys, is when they answer, you want to take a beat and take the moment to process. Okay. So now I've heard, you've heard them out, you understand where maybe they are feeling like you don't have their back, and now is where you have the open conversation and the follow-up conversation, this is imperative guys, where you say to them, what would having your back look like? Not just like from a feeling, like well, you know, I kind of want you to kind of make me feel, no, 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 that doesn't give me actual concrete things of what I can execute on. So you're asking this question so you can actually improve. So what does having your back look, actually look like? So for instance, for me, it may be, babe, when someone is um, blatantly disrespecting me, having my back means um, to speak up and say, hey, please don't speak to my wife like this. Now, I have to actually vocalize that. I have to actually tell him, hey, when I feel like somebody is bullying me, then I would like you to please step in. That makes me feel like you have my back, right? So now I've actually articulated. I've taken a very real situation and I've given him the tips and tools in order for him to show up and make me feel like I have my back. So when you ask your partner this, guys, you need to give them space to answer it and then you need to have that follow-up of what does that actually look like? Now, here's the next thing that this is the masterclass, right? That was the, that was the, like, that was like the first class. That was the, like the introductory. This is the masterclass guys. You have to keep asking this question because maybe they have changed and maybe you have changed. So like that example I just said, right? Where I've told my husband, I actually don't feel like you have my back. Maybe I say that to him in year five of our relationship. And I say this to me means that if somebody is bullying me, if somebody is being rude to me, if someone is being disrespectful to me, I'd like for you to step in, right? So I've already told him that. But now in my evolution, I've been with him for 20 years, so I've changed. In my evolution, in stepping into my own, in developing my own radical confidence, in, in developing my own bad arsery, I now have assessed that and said, you know what? I need to step up and have my own back in situations like this. The fact that I keep turning to my husband served me back then, but actually it doesn't serve me now. It doesn't give me the opportunity to become stronger. It doesn't give me the opportunity to become more of a freaking badass. And so I had to re-talk to him about that very thing. And so it evolves. And so making sure you have this conversation all the freaking time. So now what I say to my husband is actually don't step in because I want to have the ability to learn and to grow and to start practicing what it looks like to defend myself. 
That doesn't mean that he's not there to support me. That doesn't mean that I don't need words of encouragement and, and words of, um, you know, uh, enthusiasm. And, um, you know, if I do something that I'm proud of to give me the pat on the back, right? Like as a partner, it is okay to look to your partner for that. But right now in my own evolution, I've gone from being the woman that needed my husband to help um, stick up for me in situations where I felt bullied to being the woman that I've got my own back. If I get bullied, I can stand up for myself. And that's had to start with me telling him to stop having my back on this thing that I told him I needed originally. All right. So the keys of all of this, guys, is to make sure that you listen, make sure you get actual tactical things that you can then implement, make sure you keep asking the questions so that it can change and evolve, and then make sure you communicate when those things change and evolve, and then how you like them to show up for you now and then vice versa, how you can show up for them now. Now, here's a caveat, guys, that is imperative that I actually say. Even in this situation where your partner says, hey, I actually really want you to have my back on X, Y, and Z, don't just blindly say yes. I know it's your partner, and I know the whole point, Lisa, you may be saying, but isn't the whole point, Lisa, to communicate and then like actually reciprocate? And so when they speak up and they have the courage that you actually respond, yes, but also, the importance of a relationship is that you're truthful. The importance of a relationship is that you can communicate if actually you don't think what they're asking is going to serve them. So, for instance, my husband, the love of my life, wanted and declared he wanted six-pack abs. And so, he was researching, he was doing all this studying, he was like, babe, I really want you to have my back on this. So if you see in moments of weakness, like, I really want support because this is something that I'm really dreaming about, it's like, okay, great. I actually can get on board with that. Now, here was the caveat. I didn't want to food shame him. And so the truth was, when he says, if I go to pick up a piece of cake, if I go to pick up a cookie, like, I need you to have my back and take it out of my hands. Now, while I would love to say, oh my God, of course, yeah, I'm on it. There was a part of me that felt like I was food shaming him. And so I had to be honest with him and say, look, I understand what you're asking me, but the truth is, if you did that to me, I would feel food shamed. And so I worry that in those moments where you're having a bad day, like what are you having a bad day and you just want a cookie? Like as your wife, I kind of feel like, yeah, you go have that cookie if it makes you feel better. But you're really asking me now to have your back. So where is that nuance? What can I say that allows you to encourage you, that makes you feel like I have your back? But also, what, where's that fine line where now what you're asking me to do is actually now triggering me because I feel food shame. So having that clarity, having that transparency, having that communication means asking the question and then being honest about the nuances of that question and that communication. So. Don't blindly say yes, but make sure you have the conversation. Let's hear from my husband, Tom Billy, where you can actually see us having these very hard conversations. I don't even know who I am without you. And when I think about how young we were when we got together and how much we've shaped each other through reward and punishment, simple as, it's like I would be a very different person. And I like that. Like, I don't, I don't have an interest in trying to extract who I would be if I didn't know you any more than I would try to extract myself from the other people who have contributed so meaningfully to my beliefs and to my values. And um, 
you know, being in a, a, a culture, even that, if that's a company, like all that stuff really shapes you. So I'm, I'm very grateful for the contributions that you've made to who I am. So we, we very much have shaped each but other, I would say with a high degree of intention. But don't you think there's a difference between change or in, an influence? Like, I don't know, I've I feel like you, there, there's you. such a, a common um, stigma around saying you don't want to change somebody. And trust me, if you go into a relationship saying, oh, they're like this now, but I'm going to change them, you, you're fucked. You are done. That is going to end in absolute catastrophe. But now I'm going to hold two competing ideas in my head because the other side of that is, yes, that's very true. But as I get into a relationship and go, ooh, when you do that, it really, like, it doesn't sit well with me. That's not something I can be involved in long term. Then you do set out to shape each other. Now, the one agreement that we had in the beginning was, I don't, we don't have a better word for this, maybe just influence, but it doesn't sound quite truthful. So the word we used was manipulate. I'm going to manipulate you. And we talked about this. I'm going to manipulate you. You're going to manipulate me. The only thing I promise you is I'll never do it without telling you exactly what I'm doing. So it became very easy where it was like, you know, if we wanted a change, like, um, you know, be healthier, exercise more, um, push yourself in business. I was so lazy in the beginning and you were very direct about, hey, you promised me that you were ambitious. You promised me that you were really going to take a swing at this, um, but you're laying in bed for four and five hours a day. Like you were very clearly encouraging me, pushing me both on a reward front and on a punishment front. So when I did something that was in alignment with what I had told you I was going to do with my life, that was going to push and propel us forward, you were just beyond encouraging and it was so warm and so lovely. But then if I was being a lazy fuck, like you weren't afraid to be like, yo, what's going on? You didn't make me feel badly about myself. You were never talking down to me. Like I don't want people to get the wrong idea, but it is reward and punishment for sure. So, and it's been one of the most amazing guiding forces in our lives. Yeah, um, because I've been with you for so long, it's really hard to see how the outside world is interpreting you. Um, I totally, right, we use the same language. Yes, reward and punishment, manipulate, because yeah. we know what we mean. Yeah, people are freaking and, the fuck right, out right now. So language matters, and yep. let's talk about that in our relationship, where we've had to define the language that we use so that we understand each other in the way that is meant. Because the amount of times, especially early on in our relationship, you'd say one thing, I'd fly off the handle, and you're like, I'm, I, that, that wasn't what I meant. Right. I'm like, yeah, but you use this word. And for me, this word means X, Y, and Z. And so we had to have that communication and understanding how to influence each other with the goal that we have in mind. Um, talk to me about the words that we use and how we develop them. That's really interesting. We could literally derail on this and do a whole podcast just about this because I think people are, are way too caught up in um, you know, what words are acceptable, what you can and can't say. And my whole thing is, A, don't ever be... Um, so sensitive that you can't go, yeah, that word hits me funny or whatever, but I want to stop and really understand this. And I've never understood people that are interested in throwing up a roadblock and saying, I'm no longer going to listen to you because you said X, Y, Z. And I'm not interested in shutting people down. I'm not even interested in trying to prove something to them. I want to understand their position and see if there's something usable in that for me so that I can put it into my own worldview. And it was very easy for us to say, ah, first of all, we're in our 20s. We don't have a better word than manipulate, but I don't mean anything sinister by it. So let's just talk openly about what this is. It's like we have a shared vision. We know what we're trying to accomplish in our life. Um, the only word that I know is manipulate, but hey, it has these really weird connotations and I promise I don't mean any of that. Like, yeah. so are you with me? Do you understand where I'm going? 
And then my thing is you earn trust with people over time. Like the number of times, and this, this is critical, if you're in a relationship and you weaponize the knowledge that you have about that person against them, you know my every insecurity. I mean the fucking really weird nuanced ones. In 19 years of being together, you've never weaponized anything against me. Not something that I said in the past. You don't do the like bringing something up from a past argument. You don't do any of that shit. And it would be so easy for you because your mind is like a steel trap. It fucking terrifies me. <laughs> and you remember all of that stuff. Like for me, I'm going to fucking forget it anyway. So, but I mean, I know your insecurities well enough. I could certainly weaponize them against you, but I don't want to. Like I don't even have the desire or the inclination. It's like I could end this argument. I could drop her to a bag of sobbing rubble if I just said this one thing. Mm -hmm. I have no interest in doing that. It's like, it's so terrifying to think how fragile trust really is that it only takes one gnarly comment that was aimed to be cruel and you can really do a lot of damage. So we had earned all that trust. So by the time we're talking about stuff like that, it's like we've already been together for a while. There's a lot of trust built up. It's it's so important to to treat people kindly and to make them feel better about themselves when they're around you. Do you see a future with me? Ooh, guys, I get it. This is one of those questions where really they kind of got three answers. Yes, no, or I'm not sure. So let's cover all of those. All right, so let's do the yes. All right, great. Now, if you see a future with them, you can keep going. If they say no, what does that mean? Like, you actually want the truth, right? The idea of asking this is to always get the truth. So what if they say no? The great news is the whole point is to get to the truth. So if they say no, now that's information that is powerful. That's information that you now have to then be able to decide, okay, they don't see a future. Do you see a future with them? Because if you do, and you're pouring yourself into it, and you're giving your all, and you're sacrificing, and you're like overcoming your triggers so that you can start to trust them. And then they say no. All right, well maybe you guys aren't on the same page. But again, the great news is, I get it's gonna sting. I'm not even gonna pretend. Yes, it's gonna freaking sting. But guys, remember, the whole point is so that you know where they stand. So now at least you have the truth. And now at least you can ask yourself, do I still pour myself into this relationship? Do I still show up like they are the one, even if they don't see a future with me? That's your prerogative. That's why you ask this question. Now, the second part of this, where are you in your relationship? Because the truth is, in my first like five dates with Tom, we both were just like, this is the best fling ever. We both live in different countries. We're both just very much physically attracted to each other. It's going to be a great summer holiday fling. You know, like this is going to be an amazing story to tell my homies when I go back to England. So if I, he'd asked me this question on like the fifth day, do you see a future? And I'm like, no. But if, you are, if he'd asked me that question four months later, the answer is, oh my God, yes, I can't imagine a future without you. So please, for the love of God, people, when you ask this question, make sure that you're really assessing where it is in your timeline. Make sure that you're doing it with open ears and the want to actually hear the truth, which means you can't be trapping them. You can't be asking the question like, well, do you see a future with me? Intense pause and stare, <laughs> right? Like, you want to know the truth, 
for your own sake so that you know how you show up in this relationship and whether it's a relationship you choose to be in. So understand there's going to be different times of your relationship that you're going to be asking this question. One more piece of thing that I'm going to add to this question actually is knowing that not only does your relationship grow and evolve, but you grow and evolve. So imagine I've asked him this question early on and we both said, nah, neither of us see a future. Okay, great. Now let's imagine that we ask this question um, either before we get engaged or maybe once we're engaged, right? Because I do think actually it's important to keep asking. Even 20 years into my relationship, I still need to ask my husband, do you still see a future with me? It's important. I don't just want to assume that he, he does. So asking that question at different parts of your relationship is going to be imperative. Because when you grow, when you change, it will actually be a great way of seeing whether you're moving towards each other or moving away from each other. Now, what do I mean by that? Okay, back to when you first meet, ask the question, maybe you're engaged now, right? And maybe you say, do you, uh, do you see a future with me? And maybe they respond like, of course, like I've just proposed to you. Of course, I can't wait to marry you. Okay, great. Now you've got your answer. You can answer back. Now let's say you're in your second year of marriage and you think that you're in love and now you're changing and adapting and maybe you've changed who you are. Real life situation guys, I married my husband telling him I was going to support him and have four children. Well, that didn't quite work out. I have zero children and my husband has to cook and clean himself. So I changed and involved. So now imagine that first year it's going to be hard to say, guys, but that first year where I asked, first year of my marriage, babe, do you see a future with me? And he was like, oh my God, of course, I love you. Like, I see myself with you for the rest of my life. Well, now imagine I'm unaware of the friction of me saying I don't want children. Imagine a world where I'm unaware of the friction and maybe the resentment he's building over time when he says, hang on, I married a woman that was going to take care of me and now I'm with someone who actually doesn't do any of that and doesn't want any kids. So if he turns around and says, I'm not sure, huh, I wanna know, I just wanna know. I wanna know, I wanna know why and I wanna discuss it. Because the most freaking heartbreaking thing, guys, that I hear from so many therapists is, when couples come into their therapy session, they sit on the couch, they say more often than not, they know that person, one of these people in the relationship knew the relationship was over years ago. They did something, whether they cheated on them or said something that was, you know, no going back, but something happened. And they kind of inside knew, yeah, this actually was a breaking point but they decide to stay with each other for like five, six, seven, eight years because they think it's easier than addressing the truth that maybe this is the thing that broke us. My God, it's hard to say, but I wanna know. I wanna know in real time if there was something that I did that maybe is a potential break in our relationship because then I can address it. Because then, now guys, you're not spending the next five, six, seven, eight years of your life with someone that didn't even see a future with you because seven years ago, you told them you didn't want children or whatever it is, fill in the gap. That's why it is so imperative to keep asking this question. It is so imperative to give your partner space to answer it. And as always, guys, if the answer in this situation is, do you see a future with me? And they say no, if they've already said yes before that, 
Now you just need to take a deep breath, ask them why, and start that open communication without being defensive. What's missing from our sex life that you're afraid to tell me? All right, guys, I'm just going to say, I'm just going to be honest, the amount of friends and experts and people that I've told, spoken to about sex all basically say the same thing. So many people get nervous about telling their partner what they want in the bedroom. So many people are worried about being judged. They're going to frown upon it. Are they going to think that I'm weird, quote unquote? Are they going to think differently of me? Is this something that someone's going to judge me on it? Because let's face it, I'm just going to be honest because that's why I'm here and that's why you're watching this, right? Because we're fed up of all the freaking BS that is out there in the world. So we're here right now and just calling a spade a spade. I don't want one of my, um, let's say my dreams or my fetishes to be frowned upon. I don't want to be judged for it. So what ends up happening is I think so many of us don't say that thing that we really want because we're so worried about how someone else is going to respond, how they're going to think about us. And so the thing that I'm just, me and my husband literally laid down from day one is we need to be honest about sex. You have to tell me all the weird shit that you want to do. And I'm going to tell you all the maybe weird shit I want to do. And now it doesn't mean you're going to do it. It just means that you trust each other enough to be honest. And here's the great news, guys. In these moments, by the way, just a little side note, in these moments, this is the moment that you can actually tell if they're going to accept you for you. Because now imagine you've told them. It becomes a stepping stone of trust. I've just told them that. How did they respond? Did they laugh at me? Did they roll their eyes? Or did they go, okay, that sounds interesting. I'm not sure if I want to do it. But did they show respect? Doesn't mean that they want to do it or have to do it or in on it. But did they show you the respect when you said it? Okay, that's number one. And then number two is just reminding yourself that, in fact, when you ask this question, you have to say to your partner, it doesn't mean I'm going to do it. Can we just agree to that? But we have a relationship where we communicate about everything. We have a relationship where you know you can trust me with your most weirdest shit. And I'm never ever gonna tell a damn soul. I'm never ever gonna use it against you. And I'm never ever gonna judge you negatively for it. That's why these types of questions, this question specifically, is so important to be comfortable to ask as well as be comfortable to tell. That's not even, even, I haven't even addressed once you do start that discussion, how you start to navigate. Because I don't know about you, again, I'm just gonna say it, most of the time, people that I know, women that I know, they want sex less than men. I'm just gonna say it, guys. That's the experience that I've had. Now, I'm not saying that's universal, that's just the experience that I've had. So you have this worry, at least with some of the friends that I've spoken to, where if you ask this question, it's like, oh, does that mean I have to have more sex? It's like, let me tell you, if that's your response, maybe there's something you need to address with your partner. Because if you're worried that asking this question means you have to have more sex, maybe it's saying that you don't enjoy sex, which is okay. But here's the amazing thing that I'm going to let you guys in on. Sex is so damn healthy. It's healthy for your relationship. It's healthy for, as a woman, as you, for your hormones. It's healthy for your brain. So never mind the fact that it's just 
freaking fun as hell. You really do connect with your partner. And then also the other thing, guys, is the one declaration I made to my husband, and I urge you, I urge you to do this in your relationship. We recognize the importance of sex. That doesn't mean that we're always going to want it. That doesn't mean that we're always going to be aligned. That doesn't mean that I'm always going to be wanting to do what you want or the positions that you want or whatever. But we have to keep talking about it and we have to agree that bed death, meaning that you don't have sex anymore, is literally poison to a relationship. If you agree to that, okay, great. Now we just agree. And now what you're doing is you're communicating how you make sure bed death doesn't actually happen. Because you have no idea how many people, and sorry, I know I'm screaming a lot, but you have no idea how many people I hear say, oh God, sex again? Or, oh God, well, I have to give it up? Guys, if you're already thinking that, I'm just gonna say it. Your relationship's in danger. I'm pausing on purpose. Your relationship is in danger. So I wanna encourage this question. I want you to be able to ask it and answer it with freedom and then navigate and communicate on how much sex you want, what type of sex you want, what's that thing that you really wanna do that you're worried that I'm going to judge you on. Give them the space to do it. Give them the space to have that freedom. And even if you're not willing to do it, what you'll realize is that communication brought you closer together. And that's the key. That's the key. And one of my favorite homies on the freaking planet, Emily Moores, AKA Sex with Emily, talks about the freaking importance of sex and communication. Emily, hit it. So let me go talk about my three T's of communication. And this actually works for any awkward conversation that you want to have. Well, let's start with sex. It's timing, tone, and turf. Timing. You want to make sure that it's at a time when just the two of you are hanging out. Maybe you're going for a walk. Maybe you're having a date night. Um, it's not when you're mad at your partner again for not giving you an orgasm or they didn't pick up their clothes or you're like, and another thing, I've never had an <laughs> orgasm. No, the time has to be chill. You know when that time is. And another way to remember it is when you're not halt, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Don't have any conversations that are important to you when you're in any of those states. And so after not, sex, I heard you say, right? Don't, don't have outside the bowl that comes yeah. to, to turf. Mm. So that's timing. And the tur timing tone and turf, turf, outside the bedroom. People always assume, well, I'm in the bedroom, I'm gonna have the conversation, but I love to encourage people to think about your bedroom mm. for sleeping and for sex. It's not for deep conversations. So when you're on a road trip, because then you're not making eye contact, but you're driving along, or when you're on a hike or a walk, because you can still sort of have that buffer. I mean, I'm, I'm, here, I'm here for people, I understand. <laughs> I'm giving you the workarounds, and then I your tone. That. So here's how you have it. The tone, so because we all, this is the reason why we don't talk to our partner. Mm. We're so afraid that they're gonna feel bad, that they're going to feel judged, that they're gonna feel like bad lovers, or maybe they'll rage at us and say, well, you never do this. We're just so afraid that we just say, I'm gonna be mute, and I'm gonna fake orgasms, and I'm not gonna have pleasure. So here's how you get over it with the tone. So, so I, uh, I need to talk to you about something that I realize that we've never really talked about. And I want you to know that this is really uncomfortable for me. Mm -hmm. it's, it's actually a little awkward because I have so much fear. And this is when you gotta be vulnerable. I have so much fear that you're gonna think this is about you or something that you've done, and it's not. It's really about, um, it's about our sex life. And, and I've been learning a lot lately on my own. I always say, blame me, you're listening to my podcast, you were reading something. 
and and I've learned that there's blame so, Emily, blame me. Yeah, people always blame me. <laughs> I, I don't care if you blame me. I'm totally fine with that. You, yeah, I'm just listening to this podcast and watching this video, and I, I didn't know this. Did you know this? So you mm. make it like something that you're going to do together and say, I've never really spent a lot of time exploring my body, but what I've learned is we have so much capacity for pleasure. Did you know that there's I could have a nipplegasm, I could give you pleasure in all these ways. Would you be willing to talk? to have conversations about our sex life and what feels good. Mm. And so you could start with the orgasm talk and say, well, I've only never had one. I'd like to start working on it. Or I only have one with my vibrator, in which case would you be cool if I, sh I would love to bring that into the bedroom. And you just kind of go from there. Is there anything you've been wanting to talk about with our sex life? If you know, babe, tell me, your, tell me what you would like. I also have a great thing on our website that's been downloaded, Lisa, you'll so many times that we just created this year. It's called the Yes, No, Maybe List. And it's a free downloadable, and it has about 70 different sex suggestions on mm. it. It's like everything from cuddling to spanking to kissing to taking a bath together. And it says, yes, no, maybe. You could each take this quiz and see, well, what are your yeses? That's great. What are your no's? What are your maybes? And then you could start with some yeses. Because what I'm saying here is even if you're having the most incredible sex, and I'm telling you sex isn't just about orgasms, I will tell you that in every single relationship, it's going to get stale after a while. You're mm. going to get bored. It's going to be the same thing over and over again. It's going to happen. So just to get ahead of it, even in the spirit of, I want to make sure that our sex life is really strong. I want to make sure we go to the distance. I want to get ahead of it getting boring. And I want to get ahead of us not knowing each other because it's not a one-time conversation either. So I'm just giving, throwing another easy way is to say, let's talk about the three most memorable time we've had sex. Mm. Because when we have that conversation, you find out it's like almost like your sexual DNA. Like if I said to my partner, oh, it's that time we were on vacation and there was a breeze, the trees were blowing in the wind and someone knocked on the door and it was, we were so nervous. It's like, oh, well maybe there's like a voyeur fantasy. Maybe you need to be on vacation again. So just to, to kind of do it in a way that we're in this together, I think we both would agree that it's important and let's talk about it. If my best mate flirted with you, would you tell me? There's only one answer. Yes. If the answer is no, I can't trust you. And let's face it, guys, if you can't trust your partner, you may as well just break up. I'm going to be that freaking honest. If you can't trust your partner, you may as well break up because you're always, always, always going to be looking over your shoulder. So this one's a nice, easy blanket statement of if it ain't yes, then I have to break up with you. Guys, I know that these questions are hard, but it is imperative that you ask them. I just wanna show you in real time how important it is to ask these questions and how brave it is to ask these questions. So I've actually got a surprise. He has no idea what I'm about to ask him, but I've asked my hubby to come on set. Come here, baby. <laughs> um, which side do you wanna stand? All right, stand. He literally has no idea what I'm about to ask him, but it is so I'm imperative. Wrestler. People do not, they're gonna think this is a setup. I swear no. on my life that I was walking by and she, I had to go change, I don't wanna lie, but I have no idea what's happening Yeah, now. it was so important that I didn't tell him because the what I'm trying to show you guys is in real time how you ask this question and then how you listen. All right, you ready? Should be, yeah. You should be very tense. It's, it's the questions that we ask each other since we met each other that are very okay. hard. All right. That we're normally not on the camera yes. for. Yes, all right, yeah, so yeah. babe, what's the worst thing about being with me? I'll give you the first thing that came to mind, but if I had more time, I might be able to come up with something better. The thing that we always collide over is, and it, I, even though I know you can steal my argument, I still feel like you don't get it. 
that you hide things all the time. And I am so obsessed with efficiency that it drives me crazy. And it just happened this morning. Oh, no. And I was literally like, Oh, well, I had to like woo saw my way it? through. What was it? The little hot thing for the plates. Oh. And so I'm like looking all over. I'm like, it's not where it's supposed to be. And I had to find something. So I was like, 22 years in, and we still, because it's a collision of values, and I'm sure that's outside the scope of this video. But, but yeah. in, well, no, actually, the real, I actually don't think it's out the side of the scope because now it becomes, instead of me getting defensive, it's like, but the thing, literally, if I had to answer, in fact, my thing was your messiness. And so yeah. what's interesting is, this. this is literally the thing after yeah. 22 years he even said that this is a thing that we collide over. Now, it may seem small, but it isn't, guys. Over time, it really does become like, are you, t are you actually disrespecting me? I've asked you not to do this. So A, knowing each other, I was just going to, do you want me to explain a collision of values? Yeah, please, go for it. Okay, so a collision of values is when you can steel man the other person's argument, if you guys haven't heard that phrase, meaning in the most generous way possible, you're saying, okay, this is my understanding of why you do this, and they can steel man your argument. And you both agree, you understand my position perfectly, and I still think you're crazy. And so now you're at a collision of values. It's not that you don't understand. It's not even that you haven't gotten to the base issue. You really, really do know where the other person's coming from, but you think that that way of valuing things is incorrect. And, and what, so now you're... And what ends up happening is, is like, I absolutely think I'm right. Like, how can you function in a messy place and you think you're right? You're like, why on earth well, would you so spend I even a moment looking for things no that's no 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 i you you think you're right but i know i'm oh, right so you have to deal with guys <laughs> but in all honesty right this is a conversation in real time that you can see us having we just did it today so thank you for being very honest obviously i do know that i wasn't sure sometimes you come up with other ones which actually is imperative guys you keep asking these questions oh you about to say there are i'm just going to say there well i mean of course there's other things that we have friction over but I'd have to really think like, is there something bigger? That one is the one that comes up the most often for sure. And I think people will think it's petty and be tempted because it is funny when we describe it. But like when you understand collisions of values are things that they don't go away. And it's something that you really hold at a base fundamental level. So it can be very frustrating. And so we have to have mm -hmm. what we refer to as uh, rules of engagement around what is the appropriate way to treat the other person when it is a collision of values. So for instance, I didn't come yell and scream and say like, I can't believe it because it's like, I, I understand her position. I know where she's coming from, even though I disagree. So rather than just mm -hmm. constantly getting in a fight about it, you have to find a way to deal with it. Otherwise it's gonna drive you crazy. And so with this, I just had to give up. I'm not gonna get that thing because it's not worth me trying to find it because I value efficiency so much. So I have to have like backup plans for what do I use when I can't find the thing that I prefer to use. But when you have those rules of engagement, instead of it being a fight, it's like you go to that next way of handling it. Yeah. Amazing. Thank All right, you, that it? Yeah. All right. <laughs> love Thank you. you. Love you too. Bye, everybody. Peace. Thanks, baby. So there you have it, guys. I literally asked him, now like he said, we said about tidying being messy. That may seem petty, but when you have the same bloody fight, for 22 years, it doesn't become petty anymore. It becomes like, is he even hearing me? He, of course, is like, well, like, how many times do I have to tell her? I need that hot plate. I don't want to keep looking for it. Now, what he didn't give me a chance to say is the hot plate was under my laptop because my laptop was getting warm. So actually, it was in the same place. It was just under it, so he couldn't see it. Um, but even that, right, it's like, I know him. I do want to help him. I do want, 
I do want our, um, our relationship to always improve. And this is one thing that we just keep butting heads on and that we keep talking about it. We keep asking each other the questions. So we've come up with little mini solutions, little mini ways of doing things. Like at one point I gave him a box and I basically, because he said, you keep hiding things. Like I really feel like we've got this house and it's all, you, you know, you've got your stuff everywhere and I have my stuff. And every time I, you know, I put my stuff somewhere, it's always messy. And so I feel like I don't have a place. And like, I had to really listen to that. My poor hubby doesn't feel like he's got a place. Like, so I gave him a box. I gave him. <laughs> I took my mic off and then she hid the box. She actually hid the box. I need people to know that. <laughs> I this see this is what I'm dealing with. I literally scared. came back over after taking my microphone out. Cause I'm like, if she doesn't admit that she hid my box, <laughs> the box of things for me to have. This is amazing. But you were worth every bit of it. In all fairness, I just put it in a closet. So that's what he calls hiding. <laughs> that is hiding. All right. I'll leave I you love you, baby. All right, love you too. Peace. <laughs> Bye, everybody. So now here's the thing, guys. Another thing. We, we have been to the point where we couldn't laugh about it like this because it was such a contentious discussion. It was such a contentious thing for us to talk about because we did get to the point where I just felt like, like he's really fucking disrespecting me. Like I can't function in a messy place. Like I need my sanity. I need my clarity. I need to have things and like I need space. And so every time he kept getting messy, like I, I started to really take it personally. And then so did he. So how did we go from being the people that took it personally to now we can giggle and chuckle? And it's because we've spoken about it. We've communicated through everything. We've come up with ideas and strategies and we keep evolving the idea and strategy. So yes, the box was one of the ideas and strategies. He really liked it. And then we had a big party. And so I threw the box in the closet because I didn't want the box to be out. And then of course, what ends up happening is I'm not going to take the box out. And then of course, it upset him because he was like, you're fucking hiding my box. So now again, guys, this is something we're still working through. But you understand that we've communicated about it so much that even if we haven't solved it, that's actually a beautiful thing to show. It's not like we've got it perfect. We still haven't solved it. But yet we've been able to communicate time and time again to get past the fact that he thought I was crazy, to get past the fact that I thought he was disrespecting me. Those are moments. Those are moments that could have actually splintered our relationship. It could have actually broken our relationship. But we kept communicating. We keep talking through it. And we keep asking the question because 22 years later in our relationship, I'm still not there yet. But we keep talking, we keep communicating. And as you can see, this one very thing doesn't become a splinter in our relationship. It actually becomes something that brings us together. So it's a hard question to ask, but remember, 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 you want the bloody truth, guys. You want the truth because you are here to improve and then bring that improvement to the relationship. Never freaking forget that. Do you want an independent woman? Guys, this is such an important question to ask because if you're trying to be confident, if you're working hard every single day to get stronger, get more independent, less, uh, rely less on the people around you and really be the freaking hero of your own life, you want to know if your partner is going to frown upon that. You want to know if your partner is going to try and tear that down. You want to know if your partner actually is on the same wavelength as you. Because let me tell you, I honestly don't see a world that can work where you're with someone that wants someone that's completely dependent on them. Especially if you want to be an independent woman. 
So this is such an imperative question to ask. Now look, I'm just going to say it guys, don't judge them if they say no. Because who are we? In fact, I'm just going to speak for myself. Who the hell am I to tell someone else what they should want? Who am I to dictate what someone should want in a woman? If you want someone that is very dependent on you, go after a woman that wants to depend on you. But if you're a woman who wants to freaking stand up for themselves, if you're a woman who wants to absolutely be able to depend on yourself, First, I'm not saying that you shouldn't turn to your partner. God, Jesus, no, I'm not saying that. I turn to my husband all the time. But you better believe I look inwards first. You better believe I am the hero of my own life first. So does your partner want that type of woman? And then also, I'm just going to say it, as controversial as it is, what type of woman do you want? What type of partner do you want? I'm also saying this for the opposite. Right? Do you want a guy that wants an independent woman or a woman that wants an independent woman? Whatever your, your thing is. For some reason, it's become super freaking controversial about talking about independent women and women paying for themselves and women opening their own doors and should a man open it and should, should chivalry still be around? And does that mean that I'm incompetent? And God, we just need to stop. Like, honestly, we just need to stop. What type of person do you want to show up to be? And then articulate that to your partner. One of my very close friends, I was having a discussion with her and she was telling me she's single and she was going on a date. They finish their meal and as the bill comes, the waiter puts the bill down and he looks at her. Now, she's the type of woman, she earns her own money. She pays for her own shit. She does not need someone to help her financially. But she turns around to him and she just said, hey, just so you know, I'm the type of woman I can take care of myself, but I value it when a man pays for the bill. Okay, I'm not freaking, like, be you and communicate you. Now, what was amazing, amazing about this story is the guy turns around and is like, oh my God, thank God you told me that. Because I just went on a date last week and the bill comes, I go to reach for it to pay and the woman freaked the fuck out. She was like, what, you think I can't afford to pay for my own meal? And so now the poor guy, was dumbfounded. He was like, I don't want to offend anyone. I'm the type of guy that wants to take care of a bill. It doesn't mean that you can't, but that's his value system. And so he was saying to her, like, it's my value system. I was brought up, my mum taught me to always pay for a woman's dinner. And so it comes from kindness. It comes from like authenticity. And so he turned around to her and he was like, and so I was so worried because of how that woman acted before, I was so worried that in this dinner, if I went to offer to pay, that you would react the same. So instead, I just looked at you. Now, that woman perceived that look as being like, pay for yourself. Do you want to be with someone that's independent? Do you want to be with someone that is codependent? Or do you want to be with someone that now we're calling interdependence? That's an important thing to know before you date someone or before you, or to just find out from your partner. And so just communicating it, being open and having this discussion with each other because there is no right or wrong. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. 
And I was so traumatized by hearing my friend's story that I literally had to ask my, my man, Stefan Speaks, what he thought about it because I'm desperate to find a way for us to be able to have these beautiful relationships and not be combative with each other about what type of person, what type of woman, what type of expectation we have. And my homie Stefan Speaks gave me the space and gave the most fire freaking advice. So let's listen. I, I tell anyone who watches my video, I say, listen, red flags are not see it, run. Red flags are see it, address it. Then if it's not corrected, walk away. Mm -hmm. So the, the, the way to solve all this, and I'm glad, I'm so happy you brought up that example because it is happening more often than people realize in so many different ways. Let me just mention real quick, on the internet, there are men who give other men advice, and I'm not calling anyone out specifically, and this is no shade, but men who give advice on tactics to make that woman want you that involve things like backhanded compliments, that involve things like ignoring her, yeah. that don't treat her this kind of way. There's a quote that says, if you treat her like a celebrity, she'll treat you like a fan, okay? And so the... I think women assume that when men engage in some of these things, it's automatically he's a player, he's trying to use me. No, he's a man who's actually trying to win you over but has, is implementing bad advice. The same way it happens to women. There are women who behave and do certain things not because that's who they are, not because that's their character, but it was the advice they were given. And unfortunately, society in this microwave society that we have if they don't see it the way they want right away, it's like you said, hell no, I'm out, this is not gonna work. Rather than no, discuss it because it may simply be a misunderstanding. And you will see, because in using your example, if this guy was the guy who really believes no, you, we should be going half and half and I don't believe in paying for any woman's bills, he would make that clear. I think there's this mm -hmm. assumption that, oh no, well you can ask them and they'll lie. The average person, when you ask the right questions, doesn't lie. There are liars out there, but most people, when it comes to their personal beliefs and the way that they want to have their relationships, they're very honest. So broke men who don't want to spend money on you usually don't lie about wanting to spend money on you, okay? <laughs> they're, they're not going to set up this whole idea that they're willing to spend. Really? Now, are there men out there who will? Absolutely. Right. But in most cases, no. In most cases, he will proudly say, oh, no, we do half and half over here. I believe in 50-50, boom, 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 boom. So you can rest assured that if you ask enough questions, he will show you who he is. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's how we need to better handle it rather than assuming things. Now, now granted, I, I would love for every man and every woman to understand what we may deem proper etiquette, but that's... That's too complicated in this world where, again, people have different value systems. So I can tell a man, hey, man, you should always be willing to pay for the date. Don't ever go there and not, not pay. But then look what happened to that guy. Mm. He paid and he got chewed out. But here's the other problem that I think both men and women have to understand. Stop doing what you think will work and do what works for you. So it's like, listen, I'll use me. I'm a man who believes in paying for the date. I don't believe in 50-50. I don't do 50-50, okay? So if I was that guy and I go on a date and I pay for it and now you chew me out for paying for it, I'm not going to stop paying for my dates. I just won't date you anymore because what works for me is paying. That's the way I work. I'm not deviating from that. 
we have to decide where, it, where do we draw our line in the sand. So even if you're a woman, if you're a woman who believes in the man paying and the man providing and all these things, I don't want you to go on a date and go Dutch because you think that's your way to get your foot in the door or because you know that's a better way for men to look upon you in favor. No, because you can't sustain that. And that's the thing. If this guy is truly a provider and he now uh, uh, accommodates this woman and, and changes his ways to try to be with her, will you be happy now in this new role you've been forced in trying to keep this person? All right. Mm -hmm. Same way, if you're a woman and let's just say um, you you are a career woman, you are some because I believe listen, there are women out there who are wired to be homemakers. That's where their heart is. That's where they're going to be happiest and at peace. There are other women who are wired to do things. They want to create businesses or they want to jump on projects because that's what fuels them. And so now if you are the person who's fueled by projects and businesses and all these things and you try to accept being a homemaker to make this man happy and to make it work, you've now robbed yourself of your own peace. You're not being true to yourself. You can't sustain this. You might keep it up for a while, but you're not going to be happy. And, and we can flip it the other way. There are women who really want to be at home, but they embrace being in a career to, to again, maybe it's their parents or someone told them you got to have your own thing or whatever the case may be, or they, they're seeing all these men who say you have to bring your own stuff to the table, whatever the case mm -hmm. may be, but you're not happy there. You can't sustain it. So now you get with a man who thinks you like or you're okay with this career lifestyle. Let's say five years into it, because at some point your true self is going to come out. We cannot keep up this, this other life forever. So at some point you're going to come home like, I'm tired. Can I, I want to stay home with the kids. I don't want to do this. And he's going to look at you like, you, are you crazy? Like, I didn't sign up for this. Now there's a battle. Now you're forced to stay in this role that you never really liked. And yes, that can start all the way from the first <laughs> date. What are you presenting? Who are you really? What works for you? And now the, the goal should be not trying to fit into other people's lives, but seeing who we fit together with. All right. This is the life that I know I want to live. This is the life that this person wants to live. Does it come into alignment with each other? If it does, we got something. If it doesn't, don't force the issue.